1: My father's
2: house. So the trials came along, the testings, what happened to the seed? It withered and it died. Why? Because there was no root. There was no foundation. There was no depth of commitment. I'll try it and see if it works kind of a thing. That's how, unfortunately, some people approach Christianity. But that's not a total commitment of their life to Jesus Christ versus the way that it should be. I'm going to hang on to him no matter what.
0: One of the benefits of living in an affluent society is that there are a lot of safety nets for when you might fall on hard times or have difficulties. The vast majority of the world doesn't have that. This is one of the challenges for the Christ follower. They're told that they're supposed to rely on God to provide all of their needs. One of the things that Pastor Mike will be talking about in his message is that the believer has to learn to trust God, not only in the good times, but when things are less than good. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 24 as he continues his message, Being Led by God.
2: As a Christian, a divorce is not an alternative. I mean, remember the vows you made before God. To love. Till death parted you. Folks, that's what I refer to as commitment. Well, anyway, the servant made that type of a vow before God, and then there was a sense of responsibility to follow through. That's what commitment is. That's what commitment looks like. How we need Make a commitment. This is the way that is going to be that determination. So, listen if you want God to lead you, you have to be committed to that fact. Simply, God, lead me. I want you to lead me. I'm not going to consider any other alternative. I want to live the life that you have planned for me. But unfortunately, so many times, The commitment that people make to Jesus Christ becomes a very shallow commitment. For example, someone says, you know what, I'm going to try the Lord. You know, I heard one of my fellow employees at work talk about his relationship with God, how he gave his life to Christ, and he's a Christian, and how things are working out for him, and he seems to always be happy, and I'm faced with all of this craziness in my life and all of the problems that I'm facing, maybe I'll try Jesus. And maybe I'll try this Christianity stuff. That's usually the way that it works itself out. I mean, after all, I've tried everything else. I might as well try Christianity. And so that person comes to a church service like this one, and at the conclusion of a message, when the invitation is given, they come forward, they make a decision for Christ. And they're around for a while, and, but then all of a sudden you don't see them any longer. But then you happen to bump into them or you ring them up on the phone. Pastor Jose gives them a buzz and we get to talking as we so often do on Tuesdays. And Pastor Jose, what happened to so-and-so? And do you have their phone number or do you have her phone number or whatever? We call them, ring them up on the phone and, hey, how you doing? You know, we haven't seen you in a while. And how's your walk with the Lord been going? Well, and then they usually respond by saying something like this. You know, I tried the Lord. But that didn't work either. And that's the whole attitude towards it. Rather than them making that commitment, they're going to see things through. In spite of the fact whether or not everything has just fallen into place for them, working out the way that they hoped it would work out, just simply because they've taken the name of Christ. What's the issue? What's the real problem? They never made a real commitment to Jesus Christ. Mark's Gospel in chapter 4, and I know that you're familiar, this is a very familiar parable that Jesus told, and it's recorded for us in Mark's Gospel in chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. And in that story, the sower is the proclaimer of the gospel, the seed itself is the gospel, and it's planted on a variety of different soils. And because of the fact that it hasn't been placed in the correct soil with all of the elements being conducive for that seed bearing fruit, the seed withers and dies. And so he gives us in this story different conditions by which, and the real issue here is the hearts of people. The gospel goes forth and it's sowed in people's hearts. Because of a variety of different reasons, it never bears any fruit in that person's life. And so in this particular case, in Mark's Gospel in chapter 4, in verses 5 and 6, some fell on stony ground. And this is the Gospel now, okay? That's the seed. The Gospel's going forth. But it fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And then in verse 6, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, It withered away. And then Jesus goes on here in this story and offers the explanation of exactly what happened. Okay, so now jump ahead to verses 16 and 17. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Okay, so there's hope now. Okay, so uh, maybe this is the answer. I'm going to give my life to Jesus and everything is just going to fall into place. Everything is just going to work out the way that I hoped it would work out, okay? And then in verse 17, he goes on, but they have no root in themselves. Or could I change that word to the word commitment? They have no commitment in their lives. And so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises, We're not exempt from these things just because we're Christians. For the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Okay, so the trials came along, the testings, what happened to the seed? It withered and it died. Why? Because there was no root. There was no foundation. There was no depth of commitment. I'll try it and see if it works kind of a thing. That's how, unfortunately, some people approach Christianity. But that's not a total commitment of their life to Jesus Christ versus the way that it should be. I'm going to hang on to him no matter what. It's sort of like a sink or swim kind of a deal. That's it. There's no other alternative. I'm just going to hang in there and hold on to Jesus. And listen, let me also add, God knows the depths of our commitment. And I wonder... And only God can answer this. I'm not going to place myself in this position and speak for God here, but I wonder, does God even waste his time on those where he knows there's no true commitment? I don't know, okay? Don't get upset with me. It's just a question that I'm raising. I'm not suggesting that God doesn't work in people's lives where there is no commitment, but it's something to think about. He knows what is in our hearts. He knows. Anyway, commitment, that's the first key. So if you're taking notes, I hope you write that down. If you want to be led by God, you have to be committed to that end. There's no other alternative. I'm committed to the fact that God will lead me. Now, let's talk about the second condition. And the second condition is found in verse 7. So let's go back to our text now in chapter 24, at the end of the verse, there in verse 7, as the servant realized the difficulty of this mission, talking a girl into leaving her home, etc., all of what I said before. Notice in verse 7, let's read that again. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land, He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. So Abraham shared these words with his servant. So Abraham declared the Lord would go before him. That is, the Lord would go before his servant. That the Lord would guide him. The Lord would cause him to be prosperous in this venture. He would send his angel before him. So in other words, and this becomes the second condition, if we want to be led by the Lord, he had the promise of God's word. So that's the second condition. Write that down. He had the promise of God's word. And listen, this may be the most important of all of the four principles that I'm sharing with you. It's so important in being led of the Lord because I need to be led Through the word of God. And if you're led through the word of God, let me tell you something. It'll prevent all kinds of weirdness going on in your life. It's amazing to me. I meet up with all kinds of different Christians, many of which they're checking out our church for the first time. And they come in and they have all of these crazy ideas about who God is and what God wants them to do and the way God is leading them. I mean, really crazy stuff. Stuff that you would never find in the Word, never find in the Bible, that's for sure. God is not into weirdness. He doesn't ask his people to do weird things. But there's so many Christians that are doing some really weird things. Oh, uh, man. What is the Bible says we are a peculiar people, but not that kind of peculiar, okay? But there are so many Christians who are, they really, they seem as if they're crazy. Listen. If you appeal to the Word of God and anything pertaining to your life's experience, you'll never be drawn into doing something weird. You can be sure of that. Because God won't allow that to happen within your life. But anyway, getting back to the point, that's just a little sidebar that I just shared with you there. This is so important. If you want to be led by the Lord, you need to be led through the Word of God. And how comforting it is to us when we have God's promise that he will lead us. For example, the book of Proverbs in chapter 3 and verse 6. The Bible tells us there that if we acknowledge him, the Lord will direct our our paths. So we need to seek him through his word. So we have God's word to look to, to trust to, to seek counsel from to lean upon. And we have that promise that he will lead us in the way. One of the most frequently quoted verses of Scripture, if you've been around for a while, you know this to be true. In 2 Timothy, I'm always talking about this verse of Scripture. In 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And from that child, he's right into young Timothy, by the way. This is Paul. He says, in that from your childhood... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And by the way, he attributes this to his mother, Young Timothy, who instilled within him, that is in Young Timothy at an early age, the Scriptures, set him down, taught the Scriptures, opened the Word to him, sought to find a personal application of that, life's application of the Scriptures. And this is an occupation that every one of us should be involved with who have children. We need to take the time out, sit down with our kids and share the scriptures with them and help them to apply it in personal ways. Things that they're going through, certain experiences in their youth. Very important because it'll make them wise to salvation. Verse 16, and I love this. All scripture, not some scripture, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's literally, can be translated, God breathe. God breathe. All scripture is God breathe. It comes from God and is profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? Correct belief. That's just a basic definition of what doctrine is. Correct belief. I know how we need correct belief today because there are so many voices telling us out there, this is where it's at, this is what's real, this is what's fake. These are the things that are important. These are the things that are unimportant. Oh, how we need to appeal to the word of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, we need to be reproved at times, for correction, Oh, we know we need to be corrected, for instruction in righteousness, and then in verse 17, that the man or the woman of God may be complete or mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So listen, here's the point. You're standing at a crossroad, you're faced with the decision that you have to make, and you don't know where to turn. You've sought counsel from your best friends, but it didn't sit right with you. You still had questions about that, whether or not that was good counsel, whether or not that was God working through them, appeal to the Word, Because you know what? There's nothing that you'll ever experience in your life's experience where there's not a text of scripture that addresses that particular subject. Just go through the Bible, you'll find it. There are so many resources out there. There are books that are written that break down the Bible into certain themes and subjects. Get one of those. Look online. Go to your local Bible bookstore. Try to find one of those resources. And the next time you have a question about something in your life's experience, open up that book and look under that column that addresses that particular subject. And find those verses of Scripture that speak to that particular issue, that area of your life, the thing that you're going through. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. What a precious, precious promise. So you want to be led by the Lord? Commitment. Secondly, led through the Word of God. But then there's a third condition. There's four altogether. The third condition... Revealed here in our text of scripture. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 24. As the servant began to pray, he prayed to God for guidance. Notice in verses 12 through 14. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman... To whom I say, please let down your pitcher, that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So this is the third point. He sought the leading of God by and through prayer. And listen, do you realize that your problem might be just that simple. You're confused. You're standing at that crossroad and you're still confused. You don't know whether or not you should go forward or to the left or to the right or just stay stuck in neutral. You don't know if you've gotten the green light or the red light. And you just don't know what to make of your particular situation. Your problem might be just as simple as you haven't asked God to lead you. How do you do that? Simple prayer. James declared in his epistle, in James chapter 4 and verse 2, he says, you have not because you ask not. And that may be the problem. Just that simple. You haven't asked God to lead you. I mean, we're so apt to devise our own schemes, our own plans. Many times it goes something like this. I'm going to do that, and then this. And then, God, I want you to bless all of the moves that I make. But that's not God. That's my program. I'm sort of like letting him in on all of the details, but all of the details are mine. It's my blueprint. It's not God's blueprint. And, oh, by the way, God, after I do these things, just bless him. And then God is just standing there, and he's like, he's probably got one eyebrow, right? He's like, yeah, okay, keep going. I'm listening. Yeah, all right. And then the result of our own schemes, our own plans, the outcome, we get into a horrible mess. And then we begin to blame God. God, why did you let me? God, why did you allow me? And by the way, he's still standing there with the one eyebrow raised. And he's saying, are you kidding me? You didn't ask me. You didn't seek my advice. One of the most pronounced examples of this maybe Joshua, and after they crossed over the Jordan and finally entered into the land of Canaan. And remember, the first city of conquest was the city of Jericho. And God gave them the blueprint, the battle plans, the way that they were to go about taking that city. Remember, they were to walk around it the seven times, the trumpets, the priests, and God had given the whole blueprint and the way that they were going to take the city. They're going to blow the trumpets they were are going to shout and the walls are going to fall down flat. And that's exactly what happened. And then Israel took that city of conquest. That was the first city of conquest after they entered into the land of Canaan, the city of Jericho. What was the second city that they were supposed to take? The city of Ai. What happened at Ai? They got smoked, right? They got beaten and they got beaten pretty bad. Why was that? Because they didn't take the time out to pray and ask God's direction. God's leading, God's blueprint. If they would have, what would they have found out? That Achan, one of the Israelites, had taken of the accursed thing. You know, when they took the city of Jericho, there was a lot of booty that they took along with it, the spoils of the warfare, of their victory, which was supposed to be placed in the treasury that eventually was to be used to build the temple in the city of Jerusalem. God knew what he was going to do with that money. And they weren't supposed to mess with it. They weren't supposed to touch it. But what happened is this guy Achan, who was a part of the battle in Jericho, took some of the spoil and he hid it in his tent. And because of that sin, that was the very reason why they were defeated there at the next city of conquest in the city of Ai. And if they would have just taken the time out to pray and seek God's direction... God would have told Joshua what Achan had did, but he didn't pray. And so, therefore, they were soundly defeated the first time that they went up to Ai. They only dispatched, what was it, like 3,000 men, I think it was, rather than the entire armies of Israel. But anyway, they were soundly defeated. So anyway, I, I think Joshua, there at the city of Ai, is actually probably one of the most pronounced examples of this. Flushed with victory, they had just taken the city of Jericho, but they failed to pray, to seek God's leading, and thus they were defeated at Ai. Now, how many times trouble could have been avoided if we'd have just taken the time out to pray ourselves for God's guidance? But we say, well, it looks so good. It looks so natural. It looks so obvious. You know, I only seek God on the difficult things, the big things. I mean, I don't want to bother him with the little things. But you know what I found out? You got to be really careful about the little things because it's the little things that at times will wipe you out. Don't have that kind of a mindset. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, in all of thy ways, not in some of thy ways, but it says, in all of thy ways acknowledge him, and then he shall direct your path. Not in some of your ways, but in all of your ways.
1: In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house. Where I
0: love be, oh my You've been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, HarvestNYC.org. We have so much available to you there including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again because there's no better place to be than in my father's house with you.